Hello, and welcome to Producer Says What. I'm your host, Pierre Jackalone, and I'm talking to you from Hopetown Sound Recording Studio in beautiful Solberry, Pennsylvania. And we're right outside Doylestown, which is about an hour north of Philly, about two hours west of New York City. And, uh, you know, this is sort of the way I do things. I get a little extra time and I try to, you know, catch everybody up on the news that's happening at the studio and um, maybe discuss some issues. Um, It was pointed out to me that I still have yet to put an interview up here. Um, And that's because I tried one and it went spectacularly badly. Uh, Turns out interviewing is a technique. Who knew? Uh, but I'm still, I'm still working on that. And, um, Brian Dale Allen Strauss, our producer in residence, uh, has been talking with me about, you know, we want to do, uh, an episode together. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Brian's awesome. And we, you know, we have different perspectives on a lot of this stuff, but it's all, you know, good. It's all complimentary and with a lot of mutual respect. And, uh, and we do a lot of great learning from each other and so we thought we'd put up microphones and see how that flies you know uh in a podcast format so yeah we're looking to do that but um otherwise uh, i just want to sort of catch up on uh some news for the studio uh first off um let's see there's there well there's gear uh but before we get to that let's just uh talk about what's just happening with people all right people are more important than gear um so uh current projects uh paul Bodie is uh chipping away at uh an epic uh project uh he's doing a 14 song album uh his genre is blues and um he's announced a release date for february so that's exciting there's quite a bit left to do but um, he's got all his rhythm tracks done and, and and background vocals and horns and stuff. So we're pretty much just doing um, stuff he needs to do, like lead vocals and, and lead guitar and mixing. Um, you know, he's got uh, what, two songs in the can already uh, for this. Uh, and one of them, uh, A Little Bit of Soap, uh, is a cover uh and that's been just screaming on the blues and roots charts uh, since he released it as a single. Uh, it's been number one in Pennsylvania, and it's been in the top ten nationally. It's just done so well uh, for Paul and the band, and that's awesome. Um, I know firsthand how hard uh, he worked on every every aspect of that, and um, so that's great news. And uh, so that's a big project. Uh, he also did a huge uh, video shoot uh, down at uh, Philly Sound, which uh, that's uh, uh, Walter. Uh, I'm blanking on his last name, but uh, anybody, you know, any OGs from Philly uh, in the recording community know Walter. Um, and it gets a little confusing because there's a recording studio called Philly Sound and Walter really uh, is doing, well, he's doing everything, but, you know, he's got a sound stage, big sound stage with really, you know, gorgeous production values uh, in terms of the cameras and the PA and, and you know, um, he had really nice um, control rooms uh, on the second floor, uh, both for video and for audio. 
So uh, Paul Bodie and the Slidewander Blues Band did a, a couple of days of uh, shooting there and got some incredible video. Um, that's all still uh, being uh, produced you know, in post-production now. Um, but awesome stuff. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was great meeting Walter. And, and uh, yeah, I went down and, and just assisted with um, recording because uh, you know, Walter and Philly Sound use, happens to use Nuendo, which is my preferred software as well. Um, and for anyone who's not aware, Nuendo is the name of it. It's sort of the professional version of Cubase made by Steinberg. And um, it's, uh, it's funny, it's lesser known in the United States, but um, Cubase and Nuendo are actually huge everywhere else. Um, they're a German company, so they're huge in Europe. And Nuendo uh, is, is, you know, the... Um, Again, it's the pro version. It has the most features, but it's also um, it's tuned specifically for post-production. There's a lot of stuff for video work uh, built in. It, uh, I've been using it since version two, and it didn't start out that way. Um, so some of us old dogs, you know, uh, just sort of stuck with it. And, you know, and the video stuff has come in handy from time to time when we have video work. But And sometimes it's just useful in audio production. Either way, uh, it's a fantastic piece of software, and it's the one I know the best. So, um, you know, it was, it was nice to go down and use it in a different context. Um, Walter actually has uh, Steinberg's uh, Yamaha, I should say, Yamaha's um, crazy... Um, control surface mixing console made just for Nuendo. Um, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. It ain't cheap. Um, it was fun to work on for a couple of days. Um, and, uh, so, so that all happened. Um, and, uh, lots of other stuff going on. Um, Matt Freeman, uh, has been, um, well, he's been recording, but he's also, he did an, a great uh, live show at the end of uh, August. Uh, he won a battle of the bands and got to open for Miranda Lambert at um, the Citadel Country Spirit Music Festival. Um, it was about an hour west into Pennsylvania from where we are. And uh, and he, he was gracious enough to let me join him and his band. And I played some, you know, some Hammond and a little bit of guitar. Um, and I think uh, we're going to do that again uh, on December 12th at the New Hope Winery uh, for him. So that'll be fun. He has a great band. Um, and, and Matt's great. Um, and, you know, and recording has continued. Uh, you know, Matt does something that um, uh, actually that Paul Bodie does as well, uh, which is they, he avails himself of some of the incredible services, uh, recording services in Nashville, um, where, you know, there's so many studios and so many incredible musicians in such a small location down there that, um, you can get deals where like, um, you know, a given studio or producer will just knock out an entire song in one day and it'll be with top Nashville musicians and, you know, um, and mixed very professionally. And, and, you know, if you're doing pop country music, why wouldn't you do that? You know, cause that's what those guys do all day long. Um, and, but what, what Matt's been able to do, which is cool for, for us here 
is he has the music done there and then he's been coming in here and actually using our B studio and doing his vocals um, and, you know, using uh, our great microphones and mic preamps and everything and um, and then sending his vocal to, to the same studios in Nashville and they just put it into his mixes. So um, that's a great example of how um, there's all kinds of ways that... Um, you know, that our studio can be helpful to, to artists. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, 100%, you know, soup to nuts here. Um, but, uh, but of course, we like it when that, when, when that is soup to nuts here. <laughs> um, we like doing everything when we can. But, um, and Matt's done some of that here, too. Uh, anyway, so, um, so that's been going on. Uh, oh, and Matt's doing, I should say, uh, fantastically as well. Uh, he put out uh, his first big single, um, Good Love, and that's been just screaming on Spotify. He got, I mean, he's already over 100,000 streams. And, um, you know, and he's handling, as far as I know, he's handling all his own promotion at the moment. Um, and so, uh, so he's doing awesome. And, uh, and that's great news, too. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things uh, coming and going. I don't want to you know, leave people out. Uh, oh, the computer just beeped. Um, but, uh, you know, um, just a, a lot of, uh, a lot of fun stuff. Oh, uh, we had Doc Silver, a uh, really sweet guy. Um, he's been coming here on and off for a bunch of years. Um, he's actually an oral surgeon in Philly, but, uh, he does jazz and, the guy has this incredible voice. It's like, it's literally like 50% Tony Bennett and 50% Elvis Costello. And if that sounds great to you, it is. He's, he's amazingly talented. Um, and I hadn't seen him in a long time since COVID. And, um, you know, he's 73 years old. I should say young. But that guy is amazing. He does triathlons and and my understanding is during the time i hadn't seen him he actually beat uh you know uh cancer and so i hope he doesn't mind me sharing that i just think it's amazing um and he's again sweetest guy um and he brings in uh, a horn player from philly uh named alan uh quarterman jr incredibly talented guy um he also played on uh on Stephanie Campbell's uh, recording. Um, Alan plays saxophone, I think is his main instrument, but he plays trumpet and clarinet and piano and drums. I mean, he's just so amazingly talented. Um, so, and actually, uh, if you want to see him, go to our Instagram and check out the reels. There's a recent reel of, of um, both Doc Silver and, and Alan sitting in the control room you know, just playing and Alan's blowing tenor sax and he's just fantastic. Um, so that's, that's awesome. That's a lot of fun. Um, okay. So, um, I, you know, I, I know I'm going to like finish this and be like, Oh, I didn't mention, you know, five different things that have been going on here. But, um, you know, I, I try to keep up with everything on Instagram and, and please do follow the social media it's the best way to you know, keep abreast of what's going on here. Um, and uh, for anybody who doesn't know, um, all of our social media is uh, at 
Hopetown Sound, one word. So that's our Instagram, that's our Facebook page, that's our Twitter and our Tumblr, and uh, I think that's everything. Um, but um, yeah, that's the easy way to find us everywhere. Um, and generally what I do is um, I post to Instagram and then it, it copies those to the other to the other um, ones. But uh, Twitter, I try to sometimes do something unique for. Um, but at any rate, yeah, do please follow us. Um, and, uh, you know, again, there's, there's always something fun going on around here and uh, try to keep it up there. Uh, okay, so uh, moving on. Um, there's been uh, some exciting stuff happening with uh, equipment. <laughs> uh, so sometime in, I think it was in the middle of August, I ordered uh, a microphone I've been wanting forever, um, which is a U47 uh, microphone. And I'm actually talking to you right now through that microphone. Um now, for those who are not familiar with the whole history, um, the U-47 was um, originally made by Neumann in Germany. And, um, uh, you know, I know it was hugely popular in the 1950s and early 1960s. It may have actually predated that. I don't remember the year it was introduced exactly. It might have been in the 40s. Um, but um, it's a tube microphone. Um, and... Uh, you know, basically, almost every recording from the 50s and early 60s um, and, and on. Um, but in, in those years in particular, you know, almost every professional recording was using it, including the Beatles and, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra owned his own, apparently. And, you know, it was really um, ubiquitous then. And it still has been. Um, it's, it's, you know, widely used. So um, Neumann stopped making the tube version in 1964, I believe, um, or maybe it was 65. Uh, so there have been, you know, a, a slew of clones made by different companies. Um, Warm Audio has one that's, you know, more on the affordable spectrum. Um, and uh, the one that I uh, opted to go for was made by a company named Flea, F-L-E-A. Uh, it's like Flexible Audio is the, sort of the longer name of the company. And they're actually in Slovakia, and they have gone to incredible lengths to source, um, you know, either the original parts or the closest, um, you know, modern versions of them that they can possibly find. Um, you know, uh, the, the original transformers, um, the original tubes, everything that they could do to make it as close to the original uh, microphone as possible. As a matter of fact, they apparently even um, have the most sensitive part of the microphone, you know, the, the, the pickup element in the capsule, um, created, you know, crafted in um, Geffel, Germany, where the Neumanns were originally crafted. Um, and there's still, um, there's still a hugely popular microphone company called Geffel that I, I assume is still in Gefell, Germany. Um, but Flea went that extra step to have, you know, um, that pedigree of craftsmanship. Um, so uh, I had to wait about, I don't know, four or five weeks, but it finally delivered as I'm talking to you on it now. And it's fantastic. I love it. Um, there are two varieties of the microphone, um, and, or at least of the capsules that you can have with it. 
And uh, one is sort of the older classic. Um, the Neumann version was known as the M7. Um, flea just turned all of the M's into F's because they're fleas, so they're F7. But uh, the M7 capsule um, would be was characterized as being, um, well, a little, uh, maybe a little darker um, in general. Somebody's going to correct me on that probably. I found it to be um, sort of a little larger on the low end, but also... Um, maybe a little cloudy in the low end, you know, as the way I find it. Um, and it's a little more highly colored, which is, which is a good thing, but, um, it makes it, uh, that, that added coloration makes it, uh, more specific and therefore, um, you know, less, uh, less appropriate for all comers, you know, like, uh, I, I got this thing through, uh, an original, uh, U47, when I was in college and it was amazing. It was an incredible experience, but really, I mean, that one in particular was really, really highly colored. And, um, and I, I, yeah, I know that description doesn't really tell you much, but, um, you know, it's just this very, very specific flavor of sound. Um, again, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little cloudy, um, in some ways. Um, and none of this is bad. It's just unique and specific. Um, so Neumann themselves updated uh, their capsule. Part of the reason why they did it was the materials they were using uh, for the M7, uh, they discovered um, deteriorated uh, rather quickly over time. And so um, they changed, I think, to PVC or something. Um but uh, they changed to something more durable, um, and uh, you know, so basically, uh, Flea uh, has recreated both versions and makes it an option. And so I chose to get the more modern, and by modern they mean like what was used in the early '60s um, version that's more durable. But uh, I got it for sound reasons. Um, where it, you know, it maybe is slightly less colored, but at the same time, that sh that should make it uh, more suitable to a wider variety of singers and voices. Um, and it still has tons and tons of tube magic, and it's you know, it's a fantastic microphone. But uh, you know, to give you uh, an idea, you know, uh, as soon as the mic arrived, I did a test vocal for myself. And it's the first time in my life ever singing through any microphone where I felt it needed no equalization at all. I've read people talk about that experience, and I always thought it was probably BS, but it really wasn't BS. <laughs> you know, it really, like, when I listened to my own voice, it was like, there's nothing I can do to make this any better. And as a matter of fact, you know, even if I tried to EQ to enhance, I found it ended up making it worse. Um, and that's an experience I've never had before with a microphone. So that's exciting. Um, I'm sure that will be different depending on singers and genres and what, you know, what they're doing, but just to have that as a starting place is really incredible. Um, so, uh, and right now, uh, you're hearing, uh, you know, uh, this microphone is going through our DW Fern VT2 preamp 
and nothing else. There's, there's no compression, there's no equalization, and, you know, <laughs> not too shabby. Um, so, at any rate, uh, that's really super exciting, uh, having this mic. It's just, you know, it's a level of, you know, depth and detail and character. Um, and, you know, frankly, we were doing pretty well beforehand, you know, with our Hasselrig C12 microphones. And we also, you know, we had the Neumann U87 and we have the Sony C48. These are all amazing microphones. Um, so on, on one level, this is just a different flavor. Um, but I have to say this one also is just above and beyond just in terms of overall, you know, depth and accuracy. And, you know, it's just, it's an amazing um, piece of machinery. <laughs> it's, it's weird to even call it that. Um, you know, it's almost like an instrument. Um, but I'm, I'm so, so looking forward to, you know, all of our artists having the opportunity to sing through this mic. Um, and my expectation is it will be equally, um, you know, wonderful on both male and female vocals. So that'll be fun to try. Um, so, uh, the funny thing that happened <laughs> on the way to the Coliseum was, uh, while I was waiting for this microphone to arrive, um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Kurt Vincent, uh, reached out and scheduled a visit with the studio. And when he showed up, uh, he came, uh, toting a whole bunch of microphones with him. And his story is that he has a passion for, well, microphones in general, but for specifically for restoring classic RCA ribbon microphones. And um, I've since learned that that's kind of a thing. Like, there's a few guys out there um, who that's their passion. And um, it's an interesting niche. And um, But, um, you know, Kurt uh, brought... Apparently, he's originally from the Philly area, uh, but, you know, had worked in studios maybe 30 years ago or 25 years ago, um, and he had done a full military career since then, and and he's relocating to, to Doylestown, um, and uh, so anyway, his story was that uh, he wanted to introduce himself to the music community or reintroduce himself, and um, so he came... Uh, with an offer to loan Hopetown uh, a microphone uh, for a, a year so that people could try it and get to know his work. And, um, you know, so that's what happened. <laughs> and it was pretty amazing. I was sitting here waiting for my, you know, dream U47, and here this guy just sort of waltzes in and says, here, have, have this. And um, what this was, was uh, an RCA uh, 77DX, which is this incredibly classic microphone. <clears throat> if you look at Johnny Carson or David Letterman uh, you know, reruns or whatever, uh, it's the mic that's always sitting on their desk. Uh, it was ubiquitous in television production in the 50s and 60s, and, and obviously in going forward. Um, and again, uh, a lot of the same people, Frank Sinatra, also used that mic. Um, and yeah, just a really classic vocal mic. And Kurt was uh, very kind and let me actually test four uh, different RCA's, 77's that he had restored. 
and they all sounded different. Um, uh, I picked uh, the brightest sounding one because even, you know, even quote unquote bright ribbons are still ribbons. They have a velvety top end. And um, again, my feeling was uh, that uh, the brightest of the lot would be the most useful to the most number of, of singers. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an incredible mic. It's really gorgeous. Um, and in its own in its own lane, it's on par with the U forty seven. It's just a really incredible mic. Um, and uh, Kurt also had um, other classic microphones. He had RCA forty fours, which you know, again, that's that gigantic trapezoidal mic you see sometimes, um, and probably on our eventual shopping list. Um, but uh, you know, he's. Um, he was a really nice guy, and you know, we, he hung out for a while, and we swapped stories, and um, and you know, I'm looking forward to getting to know him better, and hopefully, him, he'll have an opportunity to get to know, you know, other musicians and studios in the area, and um, he, yeah, his company uh, is called Dry Bones. I didn't unfortunately pay enough attention <laughs> to, to know whether to recall whether it was dry bones audio or you know it was anything i just remember dry bones um but that's the name to look for and uh and in the meantime um you know we have this gorgeous perfect rca 77 dx fully restored new ribbon everything um and that's going to be a whole lot of fun um and I know uh, Stephanie Campbell has almost a, a new project ready to hit the studio, and I, e even when she finished her last project, I had, s I had said to her, you know, I really want to try a ribbon mic on your voice because I think it would sound really cool. So that's going to be so much fun, you know, just trying out these mics with her and seeing what works best, um, you know, because she, she has such an incredible, you know, voice, and... Um, and I, I just, I don't know, I got a feeling about a ribbon mic with her. But at any rate, um, so uh, I guess, uh, oh, and, and so this is sort of, uh, I'm not committed 100% yet, but I'm getting real close. Um, in uh, one of the other people uh, in the middle of production is Rob Addicts uh, from the band Solo. Rob is amazing. Uh, and we're just about wrapping up his latest EP. Um, he's got four new songs, uh, and we're just ready to mix the fourth one now. And, and then he had two songs he had recorded a long time ago that he's going to include, so it's going to be a six-song EP. Uh, those were not recorded here. I mean, these were predated the studio. Um, and so, but anyway, what what happened that was very interesting is uh, while I was working, uh, mixing his material, um, and this is a subject for an entirely separate podcast that I, I do, I really want to do. And actually, I'd like to do this one with Brian, if possible. Uh, I did, I found myself, um, it, Rob's music is, you know, hard driving rock. Sometimes, you know, you, I, I would even go so far as to call it metal. Um, and I just found myself taking, you know, mixes that were in the box and just feeling like his music wasn't being properly served by, uh, plugins. And I just found myself reaching for the hardware because I have it cause it's here. And it just felt silly. It was like, well, 
why would I use a software version of um, an Empirical Labs Fatso, you know, which is a particular kind of compressor? Uh, it's actually, they call it a tape saturation thing, but it's really a, uh, it's a particular kind of compressor that generates harmonic distortion uh, that's great on things like drums. Um, and, you know, I, was, I have the software version. I was using that on his, on his drums. And I just thought, well, you know, the hardware sounds better. It's sitting right here. And so I ended up, uh, it was on his um, second song, I think, that I was mixing for him, that I said, I ended up just saying, screw it. And I swapped out a whole bunch of the plugins for hardware. And it, I just felt like it improved it so much that on his third mix, I didn't even try to do in the box. I just went right to the hardware and, you know, not only did I have no regrets, I felt like it was really an eye-opening experience. And, you know, we have an incredible plug-in collection here. We've got so much software and it's very high quality. It ain't about not having the right software and it's, you know, um, or not being familiar with it. I've had it for years. It's really just about the fact that a lot of the things you hear people, engineers and producers saying, uh, you know, about how, well, you know, the plugin is 90% of the hardware and, and, you know, I don't think that's necessarily true. And um, I've been saying that for a long time myself, as a matter of fact, and I think I have convinced myself otherwise. Um, and... And it really was like kicking and screaming, you know, it wasn't like, <laughs> I really wanted to stay in the box. I wanted to use the software because you can recall it easily. And there's a lot of things that are more convenient about it. It's cheaper, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is there's a reason why people are still buying hardware and it's because it really does sound better, a lot better. Um, and particularly, you know, if it's one piece, you'll hear a little difference, but when you're talking about a whole mix, the difference becomes gigantic, literally. Um, and I mean, the mix is just so much bigger and punchier and clearer and, and just sounds like, you know, more professional and more expensive. And um, so to that end, um, if I've sort of, you know, the, my logic has been leading me down this path toward analog more and more and more. Um, and, you know, the next thought was, well, if I'm using all analog processing, it's silly not to be tying it all together with some kind of an analog mixer. Okay. So um, now a, f a normal analog mixing desk has its own equalizers and processors built in. I already have all that, so it would be redundant, and not only that, there's no mixer on earth that has the variety that I have. I, I very specifically bought each individual piece of gear to serve a certain purpose, and I want to maintain that. Fortunately, uh, there are several companies that cater to that, where they sort of build mixers with everything but that, and... Um, through sort of process of elimination and, and evaluating all their features, uh, I'm finding myself leaning very, very hard toward um, a mixer by API called The Box. Um, and But specifically, they put out a second generation in 2019, 
where they really added a lot and they really improved it a lot. I don't think I would have gone for the original version, but with the second version, they've really answered any issues I had with the first one. And, um, and the prospect is pretty exciting. Um, I know uh, Paul Bodie has wanted me to get one of these <laughs> since he started working here, and that probably didn't hurt uh, pushing me in that direction. But it really was a very organic move toward like I didn't want to go there you know like I, I got led there by my ears and by what actually sounds better and um so that's you know we're still paying off this microphone but when that's done I think the next move is going to be this API console and that's going to be super exciting I mean it's it's um the the deal is like not only does analog mixing sound better it it's also faster it's much faster and um and it's more fun it really is more fun um the drawback is um you know documenting all the settings and having to recall all the settings that's what's hard and that's usually the deal breaker for doing analog mixing um but you know uh the way we did it in the old days um well you know you'd have an intern write everything down and make their life miserable um but, but uh really what you try to do is uh when you've got your mix together you just you know you print multiple versions to try to accommodate changes you know that you may or may not want you you know you do one with the vocal up 1 db and one with the vocal down to db and you know um and you just try to accommodate you know those changes and then you know and then you call it and then you're done and that's again a subject for another podcast uh, i actually did a rather long post about this on facebook about you know the zen of finishing and 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 how important it is to finish projects and how difficult that is for artists and and you know with great sympathy and empathy i approached that subject but it's super super important and you know uh i've kind of decided in my own mind that this ability to 100 percent recall mixes and then really what it does is it leads to endless changes and <clears throat> i mean it depends on the artist but it can lead to endless changes it depends on how you know, um, persnickety and anal the artist is, but, and that's detrimental. It's detrimental to the artist and the work. And, and, you know, um, it, it can, I've seen it be a huge problem actually. And there's something to just nailing a piece of work, making it great, and then closing the book. And so the combination of the fact that it sounds better <clears throat> in the first place, which should encourage you know, um, like that fact should hopefully encourage artists to be able to close the book. And, you know, again, I don't want to get too deep into this because it really needs its own, its own, its own episode. But there's something really important, really, really important about being able to end something and start again. And you just... It, you know, you're not doing that when you obsess on a project. You're not, you're not really getting better at what you do with endless tweaks. You know, um, 
Whereas if you can, if you can end a project, get that perspective, you know, let, let some time go by, get some perspective on that project and start again and bring to the new project everything you've learned, that's growth. And you can, man, you can see that in artist after artist, you can see how they've grown. And it's, this is, this ties into, uh, it's, um, it's one of the benefits that professionals always had over amateurs, which is they're contractually obligated to grow. And that's, you know, yes, it's profit motiv motivated and, and yes, it's record labels wanting to make money, but you can't simulate that growth. You know, where because artists had to produce, they had to finish, and then they got, and then they had to start again, and and you know, I mean, this is how you had the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and all these people, you know, being so prolific in such a short period of time, and you know, um, and how you had Fleetwood Mac growing so much from album one to album three or four. You know, it, it, it it's uh, it's just you know if you if you as an unsigned artist are denying yourself that growth, you know, you're doing that to yourself. And um, and it's always been my feeling that if you are not at a professional level, if you are not contracted, um, you really should do everything in your power to give yourself every advantage you can that people who are in that professional position get right so you know um the, like how much they rehearse before they record you know um how much they surround themselves with experienced professionals when they record um just every advantage you know, you're already disadvantaged by not having, you know, the financial resources and the industry resources of a label. If you have the opportunity to give yourself some of the advantages that professionals have, I think you need to take them, you know. And finishing and starting again is, the, is in my opinion, the biggest one. Uh, it's the biggest advantage you can give yourself as an artist. Um, so look at me. I've already made an entire episode now about this there's a lot more to say about it and um and we're gonna do that but anyway this was fun um and uh and i know i know i've left out people who are working here and i apologize and you will get mentioned going forward I'm, i promise and there's probably gear i haven't even mentioned um but uh <laughs> uh i wanted to share about you know the microphones because uh, that was huge and um and hopefully the pending uh analog console because that's super super exciting um and it's going to change the way uh we work around here for the better and um and that's going to be a lot of fun so all right uh best wishes to everybody please be safe um you know things seem to be going down covid wise again so let's not let them come back up everybody keep being careful and uh lots of love talk to you soon take care